When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. My name is DC Marshall, and I am the co-host, and he is Alfred Edmund Jr. Hey, Alfred. Hey, D. Great to be doing another show, and you already know I'm so salivating and excited about today's topic. But, you know, we're going to be talking about legacy, just to give you guys a heads up. Um, and we're going to be addressing a question, who can I trust in positioning my story, goals, and wishes for existence within and beyond my lifetime? Again, that's legacy. It's, it's what you leave um, behind. is what future generations will build on. So I'm just excited, Dave. Um, you know, I'm excited with every show I get to do with you, but I'm excited about today's topic. You're so funny, Alfred. Yeah, of course you would be. Um, but I think, you know what, this is going to be a really good conversation because it's a conversation that not everybody is having. And sometimes it feels tense. It feels heavy, I think, for some folks. So I'm always excited when we have guests who can just really help us understand and relax our nerves and our uh, anxiety around anything that has to do with wealth, finance, legacy, and so on and so forth. So do you always know, even though this is conversation about life, legacy, estate planning, as you said, it's a heavy topic, but for me, it's a topic I get excited about because I really, I think I'm at the stage of my life, you know, different when I was in my twenties and thirties, where I think a lot more about life and legacy. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be in a position to do something about that. But as you say, this is not a conversation that many people often want to have until it's almost too late to have it. It really deals with everything from your mortality to how you feel about what you've accomplished in your life. People, people don't want to talk about that. People don't, yeah, want, to they don't, they don't want to talk about that. As soon, as, you, as soon as you said mortality, people are like, like <laughs> <laughs> no. as soon as you said that, I'm telling you, even, you know, oh, no. But no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. There's the, 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 on the other side, there's the exciting thing about what you're able to leave as a legacy, not only just for your children, and your grandchildren. I mean, that's obvious. And we're talking about if it's not multi-generational, it's not real wealth. So this is an important conversation when you talk about faith and finance, but also talks about bringing some meaning to your life that goes beyond your life. And I think that there is some, uh, you know, a lot of positive uplifting elements to that. Um, once you get past the idea that I won't say the N word again. Yeah, but but you know what? Actually, no. You know what? Now that I'm thinking through this, I will say that it used to be, for me, mm -hmm. a heavy topic. And I think some people will identify with, at some point in our lives, it is heavy, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it because we don't have everything else lined up. That's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is that, you know, people don't want to think about 
uh, death and dying. I think another part is it, there is the perception that I may not have enough to even have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I do want to level set and say that actually, once I matured in life and uh, became financially, I'll say well and comfortable, right? To the point where everything else was buttoned up. And so that was the next thing. I was actually excited about it. Now that I think about it. And so to frame this, I think we do mature in such a way that when we start to really get our lives together and think about uh, how we want to live, maybe our 2.0, our 3.0 and the rest of our lives or how we want to end and when we want to end well, it does become a much more exciting conversation and goal, actually goal to accomplish, to have all of your stuff buttoned up. And I actually just, um, you know, facilitated a, an event to talk specifically about this very topic. So I just had to go get myself together, Alfred, in the other room when I thought about this. Like, Dee, listen, no. Every time we do this topic, we go through the same cycle. (laughs) I don't know. Have I said, have I shared that before? No, in the the beginning, you're like, people don't want to talk about that. And then you say, but wait, actually do get excited and that's totally perfect and totally appropriate because you know as people of faith and I'll speak for myself the other thing that allows me to get more excited than maybe I did when I was younger is that I already know that my quote-unquote mortality is not an ending it's a transition and so that allows me to remove myself from this idea that oh it's going to be over but because I, I know it's not going to be over as a man mm-hmm. of faith and then I, then I can take the focus off of me and what's going to happen to me and more on what's supposed to happen. What is my commitment? What is my what, what is God calling me to do in this particular stage of my existence mm-hmm. that honors him once I do transition? So, again, like you said, it's a lot of it is maturation. It's financial maturation. It's spiritual maturation. Listen, we can go on and on, but we have the perfect, perfect guest today to have this conversation, to frame this conversation um, as, as not only an expert in estate planning, but a woman of faith. And I'm talking about Amy D. Griffin Esquire of the Griffin Firm. Amy, welcome to the show. And I know you're going to school me, you're going to school D, and obviously you're going to bless and school our audience about all of these topics of life and legacy. But welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy, for joining us. Thank you so much for having this important conversation. So you might have heard a little bit about what D and I were talking about. And, and, you know, this, this is a topic that we address regularly on Be Lifted Up and, and also in, in other aspects of our careers outside of Be Lifted Up. I know you heard a lot of what we shared among clients and prospective clients and family members. And But talk to me about how you came to do this as your profession, as your calling, and how you approach it and why it's important. I'm going to tell you the abridged version of it. I'm from Massachusetts, and my parents were civil rights activists. And truthfully, I was overseeing contracting and procurement for a state agency. And at 40, I said, I got to go to law school because Black folks weren't getting access, right? And so created the New England Black Chamber of Commerce. Then it was working with businesses to grow, and business owners would die and lose all of the work that we created. Went back to law school, got my master of laws in elder law and estate planning. And it's like, it's not just enough to create wealth, but we have to create the, the opportunity for it to be transferred to multi generations in order to be transformational for our communities. So that's how I got into this. Because right? we know if we're going to bridge the racial wealth gap, we got to do it strategically. Yes. Okay. But did you say you went back to law school at 40? Or I went to law school at 40, yes. I went back at 46. 
Wow. wow. I love that piece of it. I'm like, wait, she said a whole lot there. There's yeah. a whole lot. But it was all because you wanted to do this work. And was that the part that I missed that you really went back because you were really super focused on, I'm going to do this and I'm going to well, help. It was, I knew that was, this is a resource that our community didn't have. And so I needed, you know, my parents taught me when you see the need, meet the need, right? So that's what I did. That's what we're doing. So we are educating folks and making sure that we, you know, I can't prosper if my community doesn't prosper. So we need to be able to bring information because people perish for the lack of knowledge. So I am very thoughtful about how do we strategically plan and build. I said um, earlier, as we were introducing the show and we say it at Black Enterprise all the time, if it's not multi-generational, it's not wealth, no matter how much you've created and accumulated over the course of a lifetime, personally or through your business. If you can't figure out a way to pass it on, and whether you're speaking from an individual or family basis, for all of us as a community, you got to break the cycle of every generation basically starting from scratch or sometimes starting in the hole. I was going to say in the hole. In the hole, (laughs) even if the previous generation had some success in accumulating wealth. So talk to me about that in the context of the work that you do. One of the things that we know is that 30% of Black people have an estate plan just 30%. And one of the things that you all were speaking about earlier was about sort of the abundance, right? And I think that too often people are fearful and hold on to a surviving mentality as opposed to the thriving mentality. And so we work to support people to be, have mindset adjustment and therefore are able to look beyond, not just, again, when we say, you know, you leave inheritance for your children's children and move on from not even just your biological children, Right. That it's where it's about our community. It's about our spiritual children. And so if we are thoughtful about about what's important, then we can face the fear and then that faith that we can overcome it. But we have to do that with strategic planning. We have to do that by talking to trusted professionals. But we have to do that by just even acknowledging that the reality is you may not have a whole lot, but what we can plant the seed for the next generation. And then it's greater using that where we are as a platform for the next generation to grow and to jump. And so that we know that strategically we can do that if we do that. You know, I want you to build on this idea that we were talking about, you know, passing on wealth. We're not narrowly talking about your children and their children. Um, Because then you have people that say, well, I don't have children. I'm never going to have children. It doesn't matter. We're really talking about building communities and institutions. So I really want to get more deeply into that so we can understand what our real um, obligation is to future generations beyond just passing on our house and passing on our bank accounts. We're talking with Amy Griffin Esquire, estate planning attorney. That's almost not even covering it because you just impressed us with the whole, I went back and got this degree and got that degree so I could do this work. But but you know, we want to continue this conversation. She's, about, a super, she's side, sidebar. She's a superhero to our communities, to Black communities. Let's just that's, super, that's, that's, right. that, yeah. that sums it up. That sums it up. Amy Griffin, superhero. But we're talking about life and legacy. And Amy, I want to build on this idea that we need to broaden our perception of wealth transfer beyond what we may pass on to the next generation of relatives, children, grandchildren. Because when we look at institutions, and when I talk to audiences around the country on behalf of Black Enterprise, and we, we hear names like Carnegie, and we hear, you know, you hear those names that mean wealth in America. You're talking about those names are known because it wasn't just about passing on family wealth, it was that wealth was used to build institutions, colleges and universities, museums, et cetera, et cetera, those things that create healthy, wealthy communities. So talk to us about 
You may not have children. There are plenty of other ways to transfer wealth in ways that strengthen communities beyond the traditional, I gave it to my children and their, their children. One of my favorite stories is about the Shira Osula McCarty, right? And she, you know, and I use her for an example that she is, she was a, a launderess, right? Didn't have a whole lot of, didn't make a lot of money. And so I use her the example because, because of a strategic plan, this laundress left $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi. So the color kids could go to school that wouldn't be able to afford. To. Now, most of us have more than she did, but she was strategic and thoughtful about leaving a legacy for her community. And I say all the time that this, because if 30% of us, only 30% of us have an estate plan, if we inverted that statistic, then we know our HBCUs would want for nothing. Our community institutions would want for nothing because so many of us, when, when we do estate planning and talking, talking to those folks who are significantly wealthy, that we say, you just want to even be thoughtful about that stuff that would be managing, would be going to taxes. We could get sent to the community. One of my favorite people in the world, he, I saw him in the news, he had left a quarter of a million dollars to an HBCU. I called him up and fussed him out because I knew he didn't have a plan. It's like, while I want to give, but let's give it in a structured way. Let's, we, can t- we can make more and more wins from how we do it. It's not just doing it. So that's one of those things where it's like, okay, yes, we're better together. Let's figure out how to do it. talk to someone who's doing this regularly. And you know, we could make that quarter of a million dollars go much further than the way he had. You've said you found this need because you noticed in your previous work that there was this wealth that was not being transferred as you were supporting Black-owned businesses um, in, in Massachusetts, and you realize that there was a tremendous, really an opportunity to change that scenario. How does that conversation begin when you start, you, you try to explain to entrepreneurs in particular, but others who, as Dee said, they may not think they have significant wealth, but we know if we, we compare it to Osceola McCarty, we do have wealth and resources to pass on. But where do you uh, begin that conversation? And I happen to know that your value system is around faith. How does your being a woman of faith inform that conversation? I tell people all the time, I'm cellularly Christian, right? It's not like <laughs> anything in me that is not. And so for me, when I'm talking about my values, my values come with me wherever I go. Right. And so I use every opportunity to let my light shine. And I know that so often people just don't know. So if I even if they don't receive me right away, it's a seed that's planted. Right. I happen to have the blessing of being able to represent the U.S. Black Chambers. So I get to have opportunities to have conversations with people who are thinking about amassing wealth or even in the process of amassing wealth. So I can strategically talk about. So what's the plan. How do you impact? Now, because it, it's one thing to, to be a Black business owner, but it's another thing to be a Black business owner that is truly not just by skin, but by values committed to our community. And so that is a conversation that I believe that we should be having all the time. Now, I ask everybody, everybody who comes in to our firm to talk about, you know, what charitable organizations have impacted your life? Because we know that we're, we're not independent. We're all interdependent. And so with that being thoughtful, even if it's just to abate taxes, when we think about the prince's estate, $370 million were paid in taxes. And if he had had a simple estate plan, a simple estate plan, not even a grand one, that could have gone to a a community organization. 
But so I start with that. I sort of get my little foot in by saying, if there is a tax issue, what organization do we want to abate it with, right? And so if we continue to use that conversation to open doors, then we know that strategically, we want to build up our community, right? We use the opportunity often to talk about how our lives can live to be a blessing and try to make it exponential as much as possible. First of all, you said something a while ago, and I think I was just stuck on whatever whatever it was you said. I can't remember because I went over to your website and now I see, oh my goodness, and she has a dream team and they're all black women. So yes, I'm just being really honest. I'm over at your website. I'm not here at this interview because <laughs> whatever you said before, I'm like, oh, I'm a fan. I'm, she is amazing. And, uh, but talk to us about being, you know, a business owner committed to our communities. I, I think that's um, sort of where I landed in hearing um, your heart for business and, and the expertise and your commitment to community. I mean, there's so much here that, that you're a woman of faith that on your website, you, I mean, there's, there's a space, Alfred, for a prayer request. Come yes. somebody. And then I'm like, why did I know them? We need all of our business to go to them. So um, there's just so much there. There's faith and values. Um, there's being a woman-owned business, but a responsible one in terms of creating job opportunities for other women. There's just so much. So, so what do you want to share about being a, a business owner and building your team very strategically to employ and partner with other Black women specifically? One thing we know about Black businesses, right? Um, I represent the U.S. Black Chambers, I know, that only about 100,000 Black businesses have employees. If, but there are about 3 million Black businesses. If each one of us hired one Black person, there'd be no Black unemployment, right? So again, we have the tools in our community if we can just tap into them. If we operate under the abundance mentality as opposed to scarcity, then we can build and grow and we can be transformative, right? And that's my goal is that if we enlighten people to know that we can be transformational. You know, in the legal field, Black women so often get run out of the business, even getting a job. I have a daughter who is a lawyer and was working in a big law. When women leave the big law firm, they leave the law completely. The legal practice is one of the least diverse. And so it was my commitment. Again, when you see that need, meet that need. Right? We are amazing. We are amazing. So this is an opportunity to come together and to tap into our skills and our greatness and be a blessing. And we're nurturing. We're peace givers. That's our role. That's our job. That's our commitment. You know, as Dee said, your website is amazing. And what I'm also impressed with, because um, frankly, it's the ministry that, you know, I guess both Dee and I are in as media people, but certainly my work at Black Enterprise, uh, our founder, late founder Earl Graves used to say, if you don't say how to, you're not doing your job. But there has to be an educational element of wealth transfer and, and, um, in everything that you do. And so I, when we come back from the break, I do want to dive into both the education and resource information that you have on your website and, and the blogs. But more importantly, this Empowered to Prosper event, this Christian Women's Conference that you're doing in late September. Um, obviously, we want our audience to take advantage of attending if they can. Uh, but I want to talk about this, this commitment to wealth, not just being you know, the kind of hard assets and money, but it's the knowledge, it's the wisdom that really is necessary if you really want to build wealth from generation to generation. Listen, everybody, you're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm here with D.C. Marshall. We're here with Amy Griffin. We'll be right back. 
Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, Targeted electronic newsletter. Experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. And we're back as Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. And before we went to the break, I was in awe of the business that you have created. I mean, I think in the first half of the show, you really talked a little bit about the expertise and the why and your journey. But if you could share uh, some of the services that we need, but we aren't necessarily clear on in terms of what does estate planning encompass? Um, And the reason I'm interested uh, more personal, because I think a lot of folks who are mature Um, adults right now are concerned about our parents. So if you could share a little bit about the work that you do, the estate planning umbrella, and then even touch on, you know, what we need to know about caring for our parents, elder care, um, and estate planning that really touches that and covers that. Absolutely. One of the things that we hear a lot about is how, you know, if our parents don't have, or our loved ones don't have long-term care insurance, Right. And so what we know happens, you have to spend all of your money and then you often lose your property. And what we know is we can strategically plan to avoid that. Right? And what we do is, is, uh, is build an estate plan that will protect the assets. We also one of the things that we are mindful of is collaborative planning. So that if indeed there is, you know, working with financial advisors, in addition to working with um, assisted living providers, so that we indeed have the best resources available for the people that we serve. And so because we do this every day, all day, we are able to build a network and we know who to work with and who not to work with, because that's what's important. Right. And so having those trusted relationships strategically planned. One of the other things that we do is so often work with, um, unfortunately, business owners are horrible in doing succession planning, 
right? And what happens is, unfortunately, again, I, as a people, as a lawyer, I hear all the rough stories because nobody ever calls me to say I'm having the best day ever, right? <laughs> they call lawyers to say this is what's gone wrong. And so with business owners, if they do not plan and they pass away, which is what I saw in Massachusetts when I was there, that often what ends up happening is as opposed to passing on an asset to your children and your community, you end up having a fire sale. And then the, what that which goes is just pennies on the dollar. And so the work that has been created is just lost. And then sometimes strategically, you know, we lose stuff for um, through taxes because we haven't planned. And so I'm a big advocate in trying to educate people on how do we avoid those horrible things like capital gains tax, you know, because, you know, so often we lose our property, which is one of the greatest assets in our community, but we use our, lose our property because we don't plan accordingly. I was doing a presentation to the, with the Urban League yesterday and someone said, well, I don't need to do an estate plan because I'm an, my mother's only child. And I said, but if it goes through probate, if it goes through probate and there is any debt, what will happen is those debts will be satisfied by the selling of the property. What we don't realize that the impact. And so my goal is to support people to avoid probate and be thoughtful. One of the organizations I created this nonprofit called the Association of Black Estate Planning Professionals to create this collaborative economic empowerment engine so that we can work together to build together so that, you know, I can refer someone to a financial advisor, insurance person, an accountant that is culturally competent and works together for the benefit of our community to grow. We know that, again, that's another way to build our small businesses, because so often there are 3% of lawyers are Black, 3% of financial advisors are Black. But if we are able to strategically build out that network, right, we are able to strengthen not just our businesses, but our community as well. But we have to be thoughtful in doing it. We have to be intentional. So often, you know, I know that when I, when I bought my house, I had a black bank that was a mortgage company, the black realtor, the black <laughs> um, appraiser, all of those things. But it only comes with intentionality. And so that's what I encourage people to be thoughtful of and don't take anything for granted. Because so by doing, we build our community. We strengthen it economically. So that's what I encourage people to be constantly doing. So we have workshops all of the time with our community our partners. Um, we have workshops. You know, we don't let anybody come to um, have a consultation with us without going to a workshop because we know that it's about education, right? And so we want people to be really informed. And I say to people all the time, even if you don't come to us for service, just get it done. So often we think that, oh, uh, you have to be 75, 80. I had a woman who was 90 who said she was going to wait. But we have, should have your first estate plan at the age of 18. Because what we know is that's when you're an adult. That's when you need support. And it's not just a matter of dying. It's a matter of when you need support, um, sometimes for financial decisions. But we also know as the Black folks, you can't count on when we're going to pass away, right? All right anybody, no one knows when they're going to pass away. But what we know is if we don't have our stuff in order, we create chaos and distress when we don't need to. My estate planning got my attention. I'm going to your point when it's not just about you might pass away, that there's actually a statistically greater chance of you being disabled and unable to work than it is of you dying. And so estate planning is not just about what happens when I die and you say I'm only 20 and it's not going to happen. I don't think about it yet. Disability happens to people at every age and every stage of life. And in some demographics, it's more likely to happen if you're younger because you, you know, 
you take more chances when you're younger. So, exactly. so that, that's just a really important point to make that you're talking something much more broadly than I'm a rich person and I can pass on all my worldly goods to someone else, that you're really talking about protecting yourself and your family and the things you care about, the institutions you care about in life, as well as in transition when that day comes. This is the area, as enthusiastic as I am, and I, you know, DOs always get excited when we're going to talk about estate planning. I don't want to make it sound like that I woke up on the right side of this issue. I mean, I still wrestle with it as someone who believes in it. My estate planning attorney is on my case all the time because there's not enough just to do the plan. Then you got to kind of constantly update it and change it. And, and I'm always like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I get you know, the, the challenges that you face as a professional in this space. But once you do start talking about the things that you're providing in terms of education, both on your site and in the events that you do around just educating people, like I said, whether they use your particular um, services or not, that education part is so important. Absolutely. I mean, so we are committed to educating. That's one of our, our core values is about education. I mean, we faith, excellence, relationship, service, and trustworthiness. And what we know through our service is that we have to provide education because this isn't a thing that you're going to get regularly. Right. So one of the things we commit to do is like last week, we had a conversation on um, it was on healthcare proxies a month before on special needs planning, because people don't know what how to support someone with special needs. Right. Supported decision making. Next week, we're having a conversation. Actually, this week, we have a conversation on a multi-unit property investments. So we're very thoughtful about a lot of people committed to creating wealth or creating strategies. And we also are very thoughtful about having conversations that are interesting. Then we can talk about how do you make that last for multiple generations, right? So when you talk about, we have tons of people who are excited to talk about multi-unit real estate investing, right? And so with that, then we say, well, how do you manage that to pass on? Right? How do you pass that on to the next generation? And so we use all of our interesting topics. So I think everything, everything that you build, you want to pass on. Or And one of the things that I love talking about is how do you support your children to have the best life in your children's children? Like I say to my, to every grandparent, we, we're doing special on grandparents. We just had a new one and it's a, a new grandchild. And it is Every grandparent should ideally target to have at least a million dollar life insurance policy for the birth when that baby is born and it's in the trust, right? So that they can plan for, you know, plan for not just to be able to, to go to college and worry about that, but even the multi-generation beyond that, because it's a seed that continues to grow larger and larger. But we get to strategically plan for it by having those conversations. When we do life insurance month, we talk about that, but of course, everything leads into how do you pass that up for multiple generations? Talking about it for just you doesn't have a benefit. Okay. What I really want to make sure we do, uh, we try to do with our guests in the last segment, is to make sure that you say whatever it is we may not have thought to ask you during the course of, of our conversation. You're dropping so many gems that are just going to bless so many people who listen to Be Lifted Up Radio. But I also want you to talk about how we can make this idea of estate planning more of a part of a, the culture of our communities for future generations. So, so that maybe my grandchild isn't dragged, kicking and screaming to this conversation because somehow we, we made it a part of just what we do as a family and a community. You know, how do we normalize? That's really the conversation. How do we normalize this kind of, I'm going to say, conversation as well as action and planning, normalize it like we normalize, I don't know, 
online banking or checking? I guess the question is, how do we have the conversation and then normalize it? And to level set, if you just joined us, uh, we are talking with Amy, uh, actually Amy Griffin from Life and Legacy Counselors. I love, love, love the name, the commitment, the intentionality. And um, and certainly I think if I was in your backyard, I would be trying to do something or figure out some way to have y'all lay hands on my whole estate and my life and my family. But let's come back to you. So how do we normalize this conversation, Amy? You know, I think unfortunately we tend to wait till the crisis happens. Right. I say black folks can make a movement out of anything. But if we talk about it as part of the rites of passage out of high school, if we talk about it in a way that it's not that we wait until we're on the deathbed, because I've done too many of those deathbed will signings. Right. But if we talk about it as, OK, when we get your first bank account, you get your first estate plan. Right. All of those things. I'll never forget. I was in Pandora one day at the, at the airport and I was looking for a charm and I was talking with a cashier and she as a black woman who was a saleswoman. And she said, oh, what kind of lawyer? I said estate planning. And she says, well, I really need to do that because I have a child. The uh, white cashier said, oh, my gosh, you don't have one. I've had one since I was you know, in college. And so that's the conversation that other folks get to have regularly. We can, too. But it is a part of when we, again, normalizing it as part of adulting, that rights to passage to adulthood means that you need to be responsible, that in essence, that people can help you because you have that right to privacy. But let's have that conversation where you make crypto a new fad, but let's make economic empowerment that fad, right? Yeah. And so and that's part of, in my mind's eye, if we invest in bridging the racial wealth gap, estate planning is a part of that. Right. We talk about it for a minute, but then we let it go. But knowing that this is one of the things that, you know, what we know, if we don't do it, we're going to continue to fight, the, grow the gap through air property. Right. We know that we will continue to lose our stuff if we don't continue to invest in ourselves and our community. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is a topic that is so important, even if it's challenging for us. And D is absolutely right. The challenge is how do you normalize the conversation. And I like that, that idea that it should be a really just part of adulthood. You got your first bank account, you got your yeah. job, and you just say, okay, and we're going to get you at least started with a basic will. And, and if you do that with every 18-year-old, you know, yeah, we know there's going to be some fall off over time, but it'll already be planted in their minds that this is part of being an adult. Um, yeah. Because the later you wait, the harder it is to make those types of changes in your mindset. When we do it, it's part of a just a regular pattern. One of the things that we do in our firm is we celebrate plan anniversaries. So we reach out to you every other anniversary of things because as you were saying, Alfred, folks, you know, like 10 years later, oh yeah, I did that. That infant is now 30, right? <laughs> so if we talk about, you know, do you still like the people you like? Do you still have the stuff that you have? If we mm-hmm. touch base on that annually, One of the other things that we do is think about, okay, create a child development plan as a part of that trust so that we can be strategically building. That's the whole thing. And and that's what makes it for us, you know, much more exciting when we think about how we're building, how we're growing, creating that legacy and investing in our children and our children's children, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just saying, okay, I'm going to die. What kind of casket do I want? And you know what I feel like, what you know, as we were talking or having this conversation about how do we normalize it? And so whether it's birth, dates or significant dates or significant times of the year, almost like, you know, giving Tuesday or small business month. I feel like for us, for our folks, 
we need new rules. Like, I feel like there's an issuance of new rules for our communities in terms of how we are coming along and learning more, like more educated uh, in some ways than the previous generation. And then we expect for our children, which they already are more educated and in different ways than we are. I just feel like there's new rules that should be, you know, it's almost like different faith, like the Jewish faith. Like, what do they do when kids turn a certain age? Like, is there something, you know, I just feel like that could be something, whether it's a certain age, whether it's a particular month of where it's a movement. I think you mentioned this, Amy, like there's a movement of our folks. We know that for this month, whether it's Black History Month, like how about a rebrand of Black History Month? Like we're going to make history by Black History Month is now the month that Black people focus on well and although this isn't just a conversation for black folks but yeah we're talking to our folks but could it be black history month what do you do in black history month like you know is there something that we can do as a family do we have family meetings do we talk about this um also i'm super passionate about giving gifts to kids and not giving gifts like no we're not giving gifts and so do you see where i'm going with this amy tell tell me say something so no, you're doing all those things. Actually, I was really thrilled that my one of my cousins had a had a first birthday party and on her registry for her first child was stocks, right? And so that's the kind of thing that is like is very thoughtful about. One of the things that we do for our firm is also when someone who has a trust and they have a baby, we give them whole life insurance for their baby as part of the gift, right? So if we are constantly thinking about, you know, it, it, when I write an article for um, our uh, one of our local black papers, and it's like. Black History Month, let's create history. Let's be thoughtful about building for our history. So it's not just about what happened, but what do we want to happen? Strategically building up. You were saying about Black History Month, and I'm I'm personally, I'm looking at Juneteenth, which is now considered a holiday. And depending on where you're from, I've spoken at Juneteenth events for years. So it wasn't a new thing to me, but I found myself with this last Juneteenth sitting saying, but what does this mean in terms of what we do? How do you make the holiday more than another potential day off of work or a day to barbecue? To Dee's point, that would be a great day. Is this supposed to be a, a day that in one way, shape, or form celebrates independence and freedom? And, you know, what better way to do that than to take steps toward multi-generational wealth and financial freedom beyond what we experienced when the people in Galveston, Texas, finally found out that the Emancipation Proclamation... We're behind was, again, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to really lean into this idea, at least with my family, and that on Juneteenth, on that day, we're going to take some action that's designed to focus on, just what Dee said, normalizing these conversations so that it's not just, oh, well, it's another day. Are we barbecuing today? Are we, what are we doing? Are we going to the beach today? Mm-hmm. Are we shopping today? Which is actually almost counter have- to that. One thing I also think that we need to lean into is our houses of faith, because we know that's our foundation, right? And so actually, the, the, our nonprofit is trying to work with nonprofits for deeds of faith. So when we save our houses by having those deeds of faith, to make sure that we get to preserve and protect our assets. Oh, it's just, just excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, is there anything that you want to leave our audience with? I mean, you've dropped so many gems. You've challenged us in so many ways. Even those of us who already, like me, you know, were eager to have this conversation and I'm coming away like, I need to do more. I need to think about this more. What would you want us to hear 
before this is done that our audience really needs to take away if they don't remember anything else from this. Well, one of my things I would say is, especially for those folks who already have their estate plan done, is we are a brother's keeper. So let's make sure that it's not just okay for us, but making sure that our brothers and our sisters are aligned so that they are moving in the direction of getting their spheres in order to. And because, again, we can create a movement only by working together. We are better together. We can strengthen together. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, everyone, you're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. D, I mean, we say this every week. We get, you know, we get to talk to some amazing people of faith. But Amy, we are so glad that you joined us for this show. Yeah. We're just so glad. Yeah, and I'll leave before we go to the break. I really feel like sometimes I come up with really great ideas. They're not all for me, but they're for other people to champion. I think what would be so amazing if the Lord lays it on your heart for you to lead a consortium and effort of the Black community to rebrand or rewrite some rules that we can all align. I feel like executive order is in place. Do you know, I know it may sound outlandish, that's not my assignment, but I really feel like that would be so impactful. And perhaps we can even talk out offline. I think there's even a corporate um, push behind something around sustainability that could really speak to how do we rebrand us? How do we hold the space for us? So I just thank you. And by the way, Amy, you know, the whole time I've been wanting to call you doc i think i'm just gonna do it disrespectfully respectfully (laughs) doctor i really have the entire time but this is everybody we have been talking to for the last uh close to an hour her name is amy and you can go to her website life and legacy counselors um and we're gonna post everything on our social channels for you to follow for you to connect with life and legacy counselors so thank you so much for being with us that is our show for today her name is amy D. Griffin from Life and Legacy Counselors. Amy, tell us about the conference as we close the show. Excellent. We're so excited. The Empowered to Prosper Christian Women's Conference, standing on 3 John 2, knowing to adjust our mindset from surviving to thriving with four tracks on personal professional development, entrepreneurship, investing, and financial foundation. It's going to be virtual as well as in person. So we're really excited because we know we come together and we can lift up off both tries with high tide. So I'm excited about coming together to lift folks up so that we can achieve the greatness that God has for us abundantly. And where is it? Is it on the website? When is it? We need to register. It is on our website, which is youristateplanningattorney.com. It's easy. Youristateplanningattorney.com. Empowered to prosper. All right. Amy, again, thank you. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You can follow us on all social platforms at Be the Letter B Lifted Up Radio. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. 
to syndicated broadcast personalities Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. 